Hey everyone, it's Storytime with Fuzzy Dad, and today we're continuing to read The Enchanted Wood, which is part of the Faraway Tree Stories by Enid Blyden. Alright, so we're up to chapter 16. What happened in the Rocking Land? The Rocking Land was really most annoying. No sooner did the children stand up very carefully and try to walk a few steps, than the earth beneath them either fell away, or tipped up or slanted sideways, in a very alarming manner. Then down they all went, rolling over and over. The saucepan man made a tremendous noise and almost cried when he saw how battered his saucepans and kettles were getting. Moonface, yelled Joe, how can we get out of here? Don't you know? We can only get out by going down the ladder that leads to the faraway tree, shouted back Moonface, who was busy rolling down a little hill that had suddenly appeared. Look for it all the time, or we'll never get away from here. As soon as the rocking land leaves the place where the faraway tree is, we have no way of escape. That gave the others a shock. The thought of living in a land of bumps and jerks and jolts was not at all pleasant. They all began to look about for the hole through which they had come into the rocking land. Soon the earth began to do something rather different. It heaved up and down very quickly, as if it were breathing fast. When it heaved up, it threw the children and the others into the air. When it breathed downwards, they rolled into holes and stayed there. It was all dreadfully uncomfortable. I'm getting awfully bruised, shouted Bessie. For goodness sake, let's find a place on this land where it's not quite so fidgety. I think we must be on the worst bit. As soon as the earth stopped heaving about, they all ran hard to where a wood grew, and there, just inside the wood, they saw a shop. It was such a surprising thing to see in the rocking land that they all stopped and stared. "'What does it sell?' said Joe. "'You don't feel well?' said the saucepan man, quite deaf for a time. "'I don't either. I feel as if I've been on a ship in a very rough sea.' I said, what does the shop sell, said Joe. No, I didn't hear a bell, said the saucepan man, looking around, as if he expected to see an enormous bell somewhere. Joe gave it up. He looked hard at the shop. It was just a wide store, with a tiny house behind it. No one seemed to be there, but smoke rose from the chimney. So someone must live there, Joe thought. Come on, he said to the others. Take all the hands so that we keep together. We'll go and see this funny shop and see if we can get help. They walked up to it. A store was piled high with cushions of all colours, each one with a rope tied to it. How funny, said Bessie in astonishment. Cushions with ropes. Now who in the world would want to buy cushions here? Well, I would for one, said Moonface at once. My goodness, if I had a fine fat cushion tied on the front of me and another tied at the back... I wouldn't mind being bumped about nearly so much. Oh, of course. That's what the cushions and ropes are for, said Bessie joyfully. Let's buy some, then we shan't get bruised anymore. Just then, a sharp-nosed little woman with cushions tied all round her came out of the tiny house and looked at the children. She even had a small cushion tied on her head, and she did look funny. Fanny giggled. She was a dreadful giggler. The woman looked cross and glared at Fanny. Do you want to buy my cushions? she asked. Yes, please, said Moonface, and he took out his purse. 
How much are they? Five silver pieces of money each, said the woman, her little green eyes shining as she saw Moonface's purse. Moonface looked at her in dismay. That's much too high a price, he said. I've only got one silver piece. Have you got any money, Saucepan Man? No, I don't sell honey, said the Saucepan Man. Money, 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 shouted Moonface, showing the Saucepan Man his purse. Oh, money, he said, taking out an enormous purse from one of his kettles. Yes, I've plenty, but the great big purse was empty. Saucepan Man stared at it in dismay. Oh, my money must have fallen out when I rolled about, he said. There's nothing left. The children had no money at all. The sharp-nosed little woman shook her head when Moonface begged her to lend them cushions in return for his silver piece. I don't lend anything, she said, and went back to her house, banging the door loudly. It's too bad, said Moonface, taking hold of Joe's hand and walking off gloomily. Me and old thing. Oh, look, there are some more people all wearing cushions. Sure enough, they met plenty of queer-looking folk well padded with cushions of all colours, sizes and shapes, walking carefully about the paths. One man wore a big eider-down all around him, which Bessie thought was a fine idea. Rocking land is quite peaceful for a change, she said to Fanny, but she spoke too soon, for even as she said these words, the earth began to heave up, first one way and then another. Over went the children and everybody else, and rolled here and there, and up and down as the lamb poked up first in one place, and then in another. Oh, groaned the children. Wish I had a few cushions, cried Moonface, who'd rolled on his big nose and bent it sideways. Crash, clank, bang, went the saucepan man, rolling on his kettles and pans very noisily. Oh, Look! suddenly shrieked Bessie in delight and pointed back towards the little wood where the shop was. The earth there had risen steeply upwards and all the cushions were rolling down towards the children. Grab them! shouted Joe. So they all caught the cushions and began to tie them firmly around them. My goodness, it did make a difference when they rolled about. It serves that mean old woman right, said the saucepan man as he tried his hardest to put cushions around himself and his saucepans. Suddenly, one of the people of the rocking land gave a frightened shout and clutched hold of a nearby tree. A strange wind blew with a low musical sound. Now what's going to happen, cried Moonface. Get hold of a tree! Get hold of a tree! shouted the people round about. When the wind makes that sound, it means that the whole of the land is going to tip up sideways and try to roll everyone off. Your only hope is to catch hold of a tree! Sure enough, the lamb was slowly tipping up, not in bits and pieces as it had done before, but the whole of it. It was very extraordinary. Moonface was frightened. He tried to get to a tree, and he shouted to the others, Catch hold of a tree! Hurry up! But not one of them could, for they had left the wood behind them and were in a field. Slowly and surely, the lamb tipped sideways, and the children and Moonface and the old saucepan man began to roll downhill on their cushions. They were not bruised, but they were very much frightened. What would happen to them if they rolled right off the land? Down they went, and down, nearer and nearer to the edge of the rocking land, and then, quite suddenly, Moonface disappeared. One moment he was there, the next he was gone. 
It was most peculiar. But in half a minute they heard his voice lifted up in the greatest excitement. I say, I say everyone, I've fallen down the hole to the ladder that leads to the faraway tree. Quite by accident. I'll throw my cushions up through the hole so you'll know where it is. Roll to it if you can. Make haste. Then the children and the saucepan man saw two cushions appear and they knew where the hole was. They did their best to roll to it and one by one they got nearer and nearer. Bessie rolled right down it. Plop! And caught hold of the leather as she fell. Joe rolled down next, missed the leather and landed with a bump on the top branch of the faraway tree. The saucepan man rolled to it next, but he got stuck in a hole, for he was now so fat with cushions, as well as kettles and saucepans, that he could hardly get through. Oh, quick, 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 shouted Joe. Get in, saucepan man, get in. Poor Fanny will roll right past the hole if you don't make haste. The saucepan man saw Fanny rolling past. Poor Fanny. Once she rolled past the hole, she couldn't possibly roll back again, for it would be all uphill. Quick as lightning, the saucepan man reached out his hand and caught hold of one of the ropes that tied Fanny's cushion to her back. She stopped with a jerk. One of the saucepan man's kettles gave way and he fell through the hole to the ladder, making a tremendous noise. Moonface caught him and then the saucepan man gave a tug at Fanny's rope and she came down the hole too, landing softly on the top branch of the faraway tree for she was well padded with her cushions. Wow! Thank goodness you found the hole, Moonface, said everyone, still looking rather scared. What an adventure! Chapter 17. An Invitation from Moonface and Silky Nobody had really enjoyed their visit to the Rocking Land, which had been a mistake anyhow. They sat in Moonface's house, untying their cushions from their backs and fronts, and looking at all the bruises they had got. What shall we do with these cushions, said Bessie. Moonface could do with them, I expect, said Fanny. He uses such a lot for his slippery slip, don't you, Moonface? Yes, they'd do very well, said Moonface, his big face beaming joyfully. Some of mine are getting very old and worn. We can't possibly give them back to that cross old woman in the rocking land, so we might as well put them to some use here. Right, said Joe, and he handed Moonface his two cushions. Everyone else did the same. Moonface was pleased. He poured lemonade for everyone and handed round a tin of sweets. I don't feel as if I ever want to see what land is at the top of the faraway tree again, said Joe, as he munched a peculiar toffee sweet, which seemed to get bigger in his mouth instead of smaller. Neither do I, said Bessie. I certainly never will, said Fanny. It seems as if there are never any lands there worth visiting. They are all most uncomfortable. Except my little land, said the saucepan man rather mournfully. I was always very comfortable there. Joe's sweet was now so big that he couldn't say a word. Then it suddenly exploded in his mouth, went to nothing, and left him feeling most astonished. Oh dear, did you take a toffee shock? said Moonface, noticing Joe's surprised face. I'm so sorry, take another sweet. Uh, no thank you, said Joe, feeling that one toffee shock was quite enough. I think we'd really better be going. It must be getting late. What's going to happen to the old saucepan man now that he's lost his land? asked Bessie, picking up a yellow cushion ready to slide down the tree. Oh, he'll live with Mr. What's-his-name, said Moonface. Hello. He's taken a toffee shop by mistake. Watch him do. They all watched. 
The saucepan man's toffee shock had got enormous and was about to explode. It did and went to nothing in his mouth. The saucepan man blinked his eyes and looked so astonished that everyone shouted with laughter. That was a toffee shock you were eating, said Moonface. A coffee clock, said the saucepan man, even more surprised. Dear me. Come on, said Bessie, giggling. It's time we went. See you another day, Moonface. Goodbye, saucepan man. She shot off down the side, round and round, and out of the trap door at the bottom. Then Fanny slid off, and then Joe. Goodbye, he called. Goodbye. Mother was astonished to see their bruises. Whatever have you been doing, she said. I shan't let you go to tea with the saucepan man again if you come home like this. And how dirty your clothes are. Joe longed to tell Mother about the rocking land and their adventure there, but he felt sure she would think he was making it all up. So he said nothing and went off to change his dirty clothes. Things did not go very well the next week. Father lost some money one night and Mother could not get very much washing to do. So that money was very scarce and the children did not have as much to eat as they would have liked. If only we could have a few hens, sighed Mother. They would at least give us eggs to eat and the little goat would give us milk. And what I want is a new garden spade, said Father. Mine broke yesterday and I can't get on with the garden. It is very important that we should grow as many vegetables as possible, for we can't afford to buy them. To make things worse, their father was very cross with them for having spoilt their clothes the day they had gone off with the saucepan man. If that's the way you treat the only nice clothes you have, you'll just stay at home and not go out at all, he scolded. The children did not like being scolded, and Bessie mended their clothes as nicely as she could. Two weeks went by and the children had not even had two hours to themselves to go and see Moonface. He'll be wondering what has happened to us, said Fanny. Moonface certainly was wondering. He'd waited each day and each night to see the children, and he and Silky wondered, what was the matter? We'll send the bar hour with a note to tell the children to come quickly, said Silky at last. So she slipped down the faraway tree to the hole where the barn owl lived. She knocked at his door and he pecked it open. What is it? he asked in a hoarse voice. Oh, Barney dear, will you take this note to the children at that little cottage over by the wood? asked Silky in her sweetest voice. You're going out hunting tonight, aren't you? Yes, said the Barney and he took the note on one of his great clawed feet. I'll take it. He slammed his door shut behind him and rose into the air on great creamy wings as silent as the wind. He flew to the children's cottage. They were in bed asleep. Barney sat on a tree outside and screeched loudly. The children woke with a jump. Whatever's that? said Bessie. Joe came into their room. Did you hear that? he asked. Whatever could it be? The barn owl screeched again. He certainly had a dreadful voice. The children jumped. Joe went bravely to the window and looked out. Is anyone being hurt? he called. Me, screeched the owl again, and Joe nearly fell out of the window with fright. The barn owl spread his great soft wings and flew to Joe. He dropped the note onto the windowsill, screeched again, and flew off into the night to look for mice and rats. It was a barn owl, said Joe. It left a note. Quick, light your candle and let's see what the letter says. They lighted the candle and crowded round the note. 
This is what it said. Dear Joe, Bessie and Fanny, why don't you come to see us? Are you cross? Please come soon, because there is a wonderful land at the top of the tree now. It is the land of take what you want. If you want anything, you can usually get it there for nothing. Do come and we'll all go together. Love from Moonface and Silky. Oh, said Fanny excited. The land of take what you want. Well, I'd like to get a few hens. And I'd like a goat, said Bessie. And I'd like a new spade for father, said Joe. But then he frowned. I'd quite made up my mind not to go up to any more of those strange lands, he said. You simply never know what might happen there. We'd better not go. Oh, Joe, cried Bessie. Do let's. After all, if there is a nice land, we might as well visit it. Shh, you'll wake mother, said Joe. We'll see tomorrow what happens. If we can get some time to ourselves, we'll go and ask Moonface if the land is really safe to go to. Now we'd better go to bed and sleep. But they didn't sleep much. No, they were all wondering what the land of Take What You Want was like, and if they were really going to visit it tomorrow. Chapter 18. The Land of Take What You Want The next day was very fine. The children helped their mother to clean the whole house down, and Joe proudly brought in some fine peas and lettuces from the garden, which he'd grown himself. Mother was pleased. You can go off after lunch by yourselves if you like, she said. You've been very good today. The children looked at one another in glee. Just what they hoped. Good. Come on, said Joe after lunch. We won't waste any time. What about tea, said Bessie. Oughtn't we to take some with us? I should think we can get tea all right from the land of take what you want, said Joe with a grin. So they all ran off, waving goodbye to mother. They were soon in the enchanted wood, hearing the trees whispering secretly to one another. Wish a wish a wish a wish. They ran through the bushes and trees to the faraway tree, and up they went. When they passed the window of the angry pixie, Joe peeped in just for fun. But he was sorry he did, for the angry pixie was there, and he threw a basin of soup all over poor Joe. Ah, oh, said Joe in dismay, as he saw his shirt all splashed with soup. You wicked pixie! The angry pixie went off into peals of delighted laughter and banged his window shut. Pooh, you do smell of onions now, Joe, said Bessie, wrinkling up her nose. I hope the smell soon goes off. Joe wiped himself down with his handkerchief. He said to himself that one day he'd pay the angry pixie out. Come on, said Fanny impatiently. We'll never get there. They passed the barn owl's door and saw him sitting inside, fast asleep. They came to Silky's little yellow door too, but she wasn't in. There was a note pinned on her door which said, Out! Back soon! She must be with Moonface, said Joe. Now just look out for Dame Washalot's water, everyone. It was a good thing he reminded them, for not long after that a fine waterfall of soapy suds came pouring down. Fanny screamed and dodged. So did Bessie. Joe got some on his shirt, and he was cross. Never mind, said Fanny with a giggle. It'll wash off some of the onion soup, Joe. They went on up and came to Mr. What's-His-Names. He was, as usual, sitting in a deck chair, fast asleep, with his mouth open. And beside him, also fast asleep, 
was the old saucepan man looking most uncomfortable, draped round as usual with saucepans and kettles. Don't wake them, whispered Joe. We'd better not stop and talk. So they crept by them. But just as they had got to the next branch, the saucepan man woke up. He sniffed hard and poked Mr. What's-His-Name. What's the matter? What's the matter? said his friend. Can you smell onions? asked the saucepan man. I distinctly smell them. Do you suppose the faraway tree is growing onions anywhere for us today? I love onion soup. Joe and the girls laughed till they cried. It's onion soup on your shirt that the saucepan man smelt, said Bessie. My goodness, they'll spend all the afternoon looking for onions growing on the faraway tree. They left the two funny old men and went climbing up, and they got nicely caught by Dame Washlot's second lot of water. She was doing a great deal of washing that day, and she emptied the big wash tub down just as the three children were nearly underneath. Slushy, slushy, sushy, sushy. The water came pouring down and soaked all the children. They gasped and shook themselves like dogs. Quick, said Joe. We'll go as fast as we can to Moonface's house and borrow some towels from in. This is dreadful. They arrived at Moonface's at last. Old Moonface and Silky rushed out to hug them, but when they saw how dripping wet the children were, they stopped in surprise. Is it raining? said Moonface. Have you had a bath in your clothes? asked Silky. No, it's just Dame Washalot's water as usual, said Joe crossly. We dodged the first lot, but we got, well, caught by the second lot. Can you lend us towels? Moonface grinned and pulled some towels out of his curved cupboard. As the children rubbed themselves down, Moonface told them all about the land of Take What You Want. It's a marvellous land, he said. You're allowed to wander all over it and take whatever you want for yourselves without paying a penny. Everyone goes there if they can. Do come and visit it with me and Silky. Is it quite, quite safe? asked Joe, rubbing his hair dry. Oh, yes, said Silky. The only thing is we must be careful not to stay there too long in case it leaves the faraway tree and we can't get down. But Moonface says he'll sit by the ladder and give a loud whistle if he sees any sign of the lamb moving away. Good, said Joe. Well, there are plenty of things we want, so let's go now, shall we? They all climbed up the topmost branch to the great white cloud. The ladder led through the hole, as usual, to the land above. One by one, they climbed it and stood in a strange country above the magic cloud. It was indeed strange. It was simply crowded with things and people. It was quite difficult to move about. Animals of all kinds wandered here and there. Sacks of all sorts of things, from gold to potatoes, stood about. Stores of the most wonderful vegetables and fruit were everywhere, and even such things as chairs and tables were to be found, waiting for anyone to take them. Good gracious, said Joe. Can we really take anything we want? Anything, said Moonface, settling himself down by the ladder in the cloud. Look at those gnomes over there. They mean to take all the gold they can find. The children looked where Moonface was pointing. Sure enough, there were four gnomes hauling at all the sacks of gold in sight. One by one, they staggered off to the ladder with them and disappeared down to the faraway tree. Other fairy folk hunted for the different things they wanted. Dresses, coats, shoes, singing bird, pitchers, all kinds of things. As soon as they had found what they were looking for, 
They rushed off to the ladder in glee and slipped down it. Moonface found it fun to watch them. The others wandered off, looking at everything in surprise. Do you want a nice fat lion, Joe? asked Silky, as a large lion wandered by and licked Silky's hand. No, thank you, said Joe at once. Well, what about a giraffe, said Silky? I believe they make fine pets. You believe wrong, then, said Bessie, as a tall giraffe galloped past like a rocking horse. Nobody in their senses would want to keep a giraffe for a pet. Oh, look, cried Fanny, as she came to a shop in which stood a great many large and beautiful clocks. Do let's take a clock back home. No, thank you, said Joe. We know what we want, and we'll take that and nothing else. I think I should like a clock, said Silky, and she picked up a small clock with a very nice smiley face. It had two feet underneath, which waggled hard as Silky picked up the clock. It wants to walk, said Bessie with a scream of laughter. Oh, do let it, Silky. I've never seen the clock walk before. Silky put the clock down and it trotted beside them on its big flat feet. The children thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. Silky was very pleased with her new clock. Just what I've always wanted, she said. I shall keep it at the back of my room. You don't suppose it will stay there, do you, Silky? asked Bessie. It will wander around and about and poke its nose into everything you're doing. And if it doesn't like you, it will run away. Ding dong, ding dong, said the clock suddenly in a clear voice, making them all jump. It stopped walking when it chimed, but it ran after the children and Silky again at once. It was really a most extraordinary clock. Now we really must look for what we want, said Joe. Are those hens over there, Bessie? Yes, they are, said Bessie. Good. Come along and we'll get them. Oh, this is really a lovely land. I am glad we came. What fun it will be getting everything we want. I do wonder what Mother will say when we get home. And that's the end of The Enchanted Wood for today. Listen out for more on this book. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed the story. Take care.